is Real Estate Unplugged with Helen Collier-Cogtebs from realwealthaustralia.com.au. Hello, Helen. Hello, David. Uh, nice to be back with you doing some podcasts for the year. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm rearing and ready to go again. All right. Now, today, uh, we're going to talk about 2018. Uh, that's the year we're in, obviously. And it's the, is this the year to invest big in property? This is the question. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Look, yeah. I, I want to start off. The main question that I want to ask, and I want to start off and get your opinion, is the media is always doomsdaying the property market. And they've already started for 2018. So, are you hearing all this talk? Are we going to fall into a big property black hole? What is going on? Don't you love the doom and gloom headlines? Oh, that's great. <laughs> oh, look, uh, for me, it's it's great news because it means that uh, it's good news for investors in that it's time to start getting into the market if you haven't already. Um, whether you've got property or new to the property ladder, it, yes, 2018 is is certainly the year to to invest big or to get into that market. And with all the doom and gloom, David, two things happen. It you know it becomes if you hear enough of it or if there's enough of it out there, it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. Mm. And uh, I know already I'm starting to hear noises from you know investors going, oh Helen, you know. Yeah, did you hear that about the, the latest headline, blah, blah. And the good news is it scares the uh, wannabes out of the market. Mm-hmm. And for those that genuinely want to get into the market, it, it's presenting itself with some opportunities to now negotiate. So, you know, last couple of years, you couldn't negotiate in the Melbourne, Sydney markets. It was really difficult. Yeah. Um, but it means now the tide is turning and it means that we can start negotiating some great discounts. And what everyone also has to remember is that if all of these publications and all these websites that doom and gloom, they've all got column inches to fill. So they need to come up with anything to fill these column inches every single day. That's exactly right. And, you know, I'm waiting for the sky to fall. <laughs> yeah. I've been waiting for it for uh, decades now. It still hasn't fallen. So so you're saying basically you just go in, like the, the property market is still good in Sydney and Melbourne, and, and obviously the other cities haven't experienced quite the same boom as Sydney and Melbourne at the moment. But um, you just got to go in and, and, and you can be tough now. You can be a little bit tougher than what you could before. Yeah, absolutely you can. And, and don't be afraid to ask. That's the key thing. If you don't ask for a discount, you're never going to get one. Mm. You're not going to say, oh, sure, you can pay me $45,000 less if you feel like it. No, no vendor's going to do that. But if you go in and say, listen, you know, I'm going to offer you 10% off the asking price, then until you ask, you'll never know. So should we be cautious, though? Why do you want to be cautious? <laughs> I don't, that's why I'm asking you the question. I just don't know. This is why we come to you. Look, you need to be cautious with certain types of properties that you buy or look at buying. But let me take a step back and let's look at the current state of play yeah. and then we'll talk about what to be cautious about. Right. And I will share that in a moment. <laughs> but right now, the current state of play with the Australian market is that, you know, Sydney and Melbourne, you know, the markets have boomed and to a large extent have been driven by, you know, low interest rates. We've had huge influxes of highly skilled migrants and a large number of Asian property buyers, mm-hmm. right? So the rest of Australia didn't boom like Sydney, but most of the new migrants that are coming in, they want to either live in Melbourne or Sydney. You know, they don't want to just go anywhere. So they're not quite interested in outside of Melbourne, Sydney. Now, Chinese buyers saw Australian properties as being cheap. And, you know, when, when you compare that to property prices in their own country, we're a bargain. And, you know, basically they don't give a razoo about uh, yield. They often leave their apartments untenanted. Realistically, they're more interested in the capital growth of Sydney and Melbourne and, and you know, 
realistically, both Melbourne and Sydney have been providing bucket loads of uh, capital growth. So, so that's that's a, that's the first thing. The second thing, the Sydney market, uh, I believe, is has peaked largely because, or one of the key factors, is the Chinese government has stopped Chinese investors from investing in property overseas. However, Sydney and Melbourne are still experiencing huge influxes of skilled migrants each year. So there's quite a lot of them coming in. While interest rates remain low, these migrants will continue to put upward pressure on property prices, especially again in both Melbourne and Sydney. Um, you know, beware of the looming oversupply of apartments that are currently being built in Melbourne and Sydney. As you always say, beware of apartments. Yes, if anything, I always say to my students, anything over five storeys, stay away mm. anything over you know something like 50 apartments stay away still stay well well away and and i can give you a quick example um my third investment property in my second year of investing was an apartment it was in a five-story building and they had 75 units within it mm -hmm. i bought that apartment for three hundred and twenty thousand dollars back then mm -hmm. 10 years later, I sold it for 420000 Now, let me compare that yep. to the second investment I bought, which was at the same sort of timing as the third one. Yep. I bought for 300000 I just got a recent valuation after a, a light reno for 900000 Okay. That's okay. very nice. Yes. That's the difference we're talking about, <laughs> yeah. David. And, and I know, you know, um, investors want to get in there because, you know, developers will give them a good deal. They'll say, you know, you, you know, we'll give you um, a fully furnished you know, package or something like that's that. That's yeah. right. Uh, one I read yesterday, they're now going to give you a car. Oh, my God. You know? Yeah, they're, they're going to throw it all at you. They're going to give you everything for this, you know, just to, to entice you to buy. But the fact of the matter is you're going to end up with low capital growth. And the fact is also valuers don't value them up to contract prices. They're coming in under contract price. Mm. The banks don't like them. Folks get that message. Banks don't like apartments. Mm. They don't tend to lend as much. So it'll be more like a 70, maybe 80% lend. All I'm saying is don't put yourself at risk of having a property that, sure, that apartment that I bought, did it make me money? Did I profit? Yes, I did. I made money out of it. Compared to the townhouse that I bought at basically the same time, mm. I made a hell of a lot more money. That's the distinction I want people to get when it comes to investing. There's a good property and then there's a great property. So that's why I say stay well away from units. Okay, so can I ask you another question that you would obviously get asked a lot? Mm -hmm. And that is interest rates. Cue the devil music. <laughs> are they going up or are they going down? What the hell? Um, yeah, yes. Yes and no. So I don't think so. Not in the short term. Yes, they will eventually go up. Yeah. I don't have a crystal ball to say, is it going to be later this year? Is it going to be next year? But in the foreseeable future, I think they're just going to stay low. And, you know, in the last 18 months, the cash rate has remained the same. So, you know, and right now you can get a, a three-year fixed interest rate for 3.99. So for anyone that's nervous, fix your interest rates. Mm. Fix part of your loan, all of your loan, whatever gives you the sleep factor. So the other thing people can consider is at the moment interest-only loans 
tend to be at a higher interest rate than principal and interest. So people might want to consider flipping to principal and interest to enjoy the higher interest or the lower interest rate, even though there is a principal element to that repayment. Um, You know, I kind of say, look at it as an opportunity for a bit of forced savings and building up equity. So don't be afraid to maybe switch over from interest only to principal and interest. We have to address uh, what is always the elephant in any room, apart from interest rates at the moment, is the APRA rules. People are always going, oh, I can't do it because the APRA rules are changing and I don't get money. So what is going on with all the APRA rules? Yeah, so the thing with APRA is... You know, there there is a lot of speculation about APRA. There's a lot of talk. I mean, I haven't just recently had it from one guy who emailed me just this week saying, Helen, you haven't factored in APRA. I'm going, what do you mean I haven't factored in APRA? APRA's kind of ruling my life right now. But having said that, it's plateaued. Hmm. And there seems to be this... Um, misconception that because of all the APRA changes, banks aren't lending money. Mm. The reality is the banks are still lending money. (laughs) People are still buying property. It's not like they've stopped. So there shouldn't be this fear around, oh my goodness, um, I can't buy a house because of the APRA rules. That's BS. People need to overcome that um, that fallacy and realise, well, actually, if the banks aren't lending you money, there's a good chance you are either in carrying a lot of bad debt, you're not earning enough income, or you're structured badly. So you might actually need to reassess your situation to free up the opportunity to be buying more property. I mean, I mean, I've got I've got dozens and dozens of students still buying, and now, you know, not like. <laughs> three or four years ago we're all buying now and i just want to just let people know and remind them don't be afraid of what apra has done they've plateaued sure they're going to continue to tweak around the edges and that's all well and good you know the changes that they've implemented albeit some of them have been tough pills to swallow the result has been great because it's forced people to you know manage their money better structure themselves better and actually start learning what it all means and how it impacts them so is this still another like media slash industry beat up where they're trying to scare people just for the sake of column inches like we were talking before or is it or has it been a genuine concern for people i think it started off as a beat up But again, it's that self-fulfilling prophecy that if you hear it enough and hear it enough and hear it enough, people are now going, ooh, okay, maybe I shouldn't do anything. Ooh, maybe I shouldn't, you know, move forward or what have you. So I guess I just want to say... You know, to people listening, you can still buy. It's not like they've shut the shut the doors and the banks are going no more to in the lending. They're still lending. You just need to play by the new rules, and that's all that is. Okay, so assuming all of this, okay, maybe you've got a property and you're ready to buy again or first timer or whatever. What do we do from here? Okay. All right, I've got five things I'd like to share with you, David. The first one is you've got to invest with your eyes wide open, okay? You've got to get yourself sorted. You've got to understand how much you can borrow. You need to get your spending under control, and you need to be disciplined with a budget. And I know budgeting is a dirty word, but that's the facts. You know, that's the reality, and you need to factoring your budget because the banks are, you know? And if you do all what I've just said, you know, the banks love it. They love that you're a good money manager and that you're fiscally responsible. See, APRA's changes have forced the banks to lend responsibly, yeah. not just sign over money to anyone and everyone and, and you know, have people be 
in a space of financial stress. They're trying to protect you from yourself quite in reality. And it's not the 80s or 90s anymore. (laughs) No, it's not. It's not. And I think the whole global financial crisis when it happened really gave everybody a kick up the backside, especially the lending institutions and the governing bodies to kind of go, right, you know, that got really ugly in the U.S., It impacted us here in Australia at some point as well. And they're, I think, future-proofing. They're just putting in processes in place to make sure that, you know, we all borrow money responsibly and don't end up on a current affair or today, tonight, crying foul, saying, you know, rotten banks, you've lent me all this money and now I can't afford it. But, you know, it's to save people from themselves. So you've got to get yourself sorted. So that's the first thing. Now, the second point I want to make is... You know, don't be a hero, get a strategy. And I don't mean just an you know, any sort of strategy of oh I should just go and buy properties and renovate. That that's that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a proper plan that incorporates your budget, your goals, your risk profile. It even factors in your time in life. Now, a decision to buy a house in your own suburb and do that renovation, as I said, is not a strategy. It's it's all about having that structured plan. And, you know, I would much prefer people think it through, factor it in, consider the risks, go, oh, what if this happens, what if that happens, um, and develop that into the strategy so that they've got buffers in place and, and I guess, funds to help support them should things go wrong, if and when they ever do. So having a proper strategy um, for when, when I teach my students how to do a strategy, it actually tells you what to buy. I don't tell anyone what to buy. The strategy does. Because everyone's circumstances are different. It dictates what your budget's going to be, how much property, how much money you should spend on a property, whether you buy something established or off the plan, etc., etc. So it's really about having a list of rules that you can follow to then buy the ideal property. And it takes the pressure off trying to figure out, is this a good deal? Is it not a good deal? And you don't have to rely so much on, uh, I guess, the media and other people telling you what to buy uh, on where to buy. Yeah. I know that you have a bit of a, 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 well, let's put it this way. It's a six-word tip. Yes, it's a six-word tip, but only two words in the six-word tip. Yeah. The first one is location, location, location. The yep. second one is negotiate, negotiate, negotiate. Okay. So the first one with location, 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 we've all heard it. Yep. It's true. However, this is where some people come unstuck because they go and buy a property where they think it's the best location, 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 but they buy a property that tenants don't want to rent. Yeah. Go figure. You know, why would you buy a big whopping house, for example, a four-bedroom house, if in that location people would prefer one or two-bedroom units Mm. or townhouses or something small? Um, And and it's because they can afford the rent and it's easy to keep clean and easy to maintain, etc. So I think it's really important that not only do you look at the location, but you also factor in what rents the best. And the best way to do that is to use the data. And how you get the data is to talk to property managers yeah. and talk to all of them in the suburb if you have to yeah. you know i um, i've got some checklists that i give my students where they literally just interview the property manager while sitting on the phone you don't need to go visit them just sit on the phone ask for the property manager in that agency and say listen uh, i'm a property investor i'm looking at buying in this suburb before i do can i just ask you a few questions and they're always so helpful yeah, yeah. provided they've got the time you know say have you got a few minutes can i ask you a few questions and they're usually fantastic and i'll just start 
up by saying, okay, can you give me a bit of an idea of what tenants like to rent in the suburb, especially uh, I'm after property that rents 365 days of the year. So tell me what rents 365. So I ask, tell me what rents 365 days of the year. And they'll say to me, oh, it's a two bedroom or one bedroom or four bedroom or whatever. Okay, one bathroom or two bathrooms, they'll tell me. And I'm ticking boxes, literally ticking boxes. And, you know, do they want a garage, single carport, off-street parking, on-street parking, air conditioning, dishwasher, floorboards, carpet, whatever. And you ask all those questions, you're ticking all these boxes And then what you end up with is a complete shopping list. I basically hand that to the real estate agents and say, show me properties that fit this profile. And that's as simple as it gets. I don't spend hours and hours on realestate.com.au. I actually just call some agents, tell them what I'm looking for, give them my budget and let them send me, let them send me the deals in my inbox. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to location, location, you got to make sure you buy what tenants want, not what you'd like to live in. Okay, so the other part of that sentence is negotiate, negotiate, negotiate. And realistically, with, um, you know, I always say to people, if you don't negotiate, you're a bloody idiot. Because <laughs> if, you don't, if you don't negotiate and get yourself a discount, it means that you're using more deposit money in which to buy that investment property. Whereas if you negotiate and you're using less deposit, then you've got more money for the next investment. Yep. So it's really important that if the sky is falling in Melbourne and Sydney, and you know, and vendors are becoming a little bit more motivated. Then you know, then great. Ask for a discount at least ten percent. At least start with that. Yep. You know, and I and I know people are going to say, uh, you know, oh, the real estate agent is going to get all hoity-toity with me, or you know, think I'm an idiot, etc. How I refute that, I say to the real estate agent, if he kind of objects. I'll say, listen, it's not where we start that matters. It's where we end up that counts. Hmm. And I've only got so much money in which I need to, you know, or prepared to spend. Um, I want to buy another deal. So therefore, I'm trying to save as much as I can. Yeah. So, you know, and, and, that, and that kind of appeases them and, un- and has them understand where I'm coming from. And they don't know you anyway, so you can be as stingy as you like. Exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if you can't afford to buy Melbourne and Sydney, don't worry, I've got you covered. Yep. Affordability is a major issue for many investors. So if Melbourne and Sydney are out of your reach, then maybe look at at, uh, the emerging markets such as Adelaide, Perth and Brisbane. Even Tassie is presenting itself with some good cash flow and capital growth at the moment. And also don't be afraid to look at regional towns, you know, regional towns with at least a population of 20,000 or more. I like large towns and I like towns that have multiple industries, not just one. So if the industry is farming and, and there's a drought or something like that, then that can really impact the town. Same with tourism. You know, if something happens, a cyclone, or, you know, storms, whatever, and tourism dries up, then that can also impact the town. So I prefer multiple industries so that the longevity is there and you can enjoy some long capital future growth. Okay, so it's not all been doom and gloom then. Tell us why is 2018 a good time to invest then? Well, mortgage interest rates are record lows and they're kind of projected to be for a little while yet. Even though there's some talk about them going up, there's always big talk like that. Our economy's stable. We're not heading for a recession anytime soon, which is great news unless the government stuffs up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, Demand for housing is, is continuing to be strong and we've got huge migration coming into the country. 
And, um, you know, immigration is predicted to stay that way. So, you know, as long as you've got a clear strategy, you've got, you do some solid research, you know, you've got guidance from a mentor, you know, make 2018 your best year yet. So at the start of this, you said you'd address some of the cautions. Just quickly, what are they? Okay. All right. So let me reiterate that houses, townhouses and units on the ground or not too high in the sky is preferred. They're, they're uh, a lot more low risk. The banks like them and so do uh, tenants. Now, the other thing about the high rise that I didn't mention earlier is a lot of these high rise buildings, they might have beautiful views, they might have gyms and they might have pools, etc. But the body corporates on them are huge mm. and what investors aren't realizing with those body corporates you could end up needing to spend two hundred dollars a week out of the rent just on the body corporate before you even get to paying the mortgage so they are highly heavily negatively geared and if you can't sustain a negatively geared property then don't go there and in fact don't assume for a moment this is a, this is my other word of caution don't assume for a moment that if the banks are lending you the money that you can afford it mm. sure you can but your lifestyle only you really know your lifestyle right yep. and if you like to splurge on a regular basis then that's going to impact your lifestyle so having um, a high-rise apartment with huge body corporate fees as well as a mortgage and all that competition from other investors all wanting tenants so chances are you'll get a low a low yield or a low rent on that you're going to end up in a world of financial stress because you've got this apartment that you can't seem to rent so quickly and it's not going to grow in value uh, um, as well as say a house a townhouse a unit that's on the ground yep. so that's my main caution as well as you know don't put yourself in financial stress only buy what you can afford and what you're comfortable with so what gives you the sleep factor at night is buying that million dollar house going to have you sleep at night or is it going to keep you awake if it's going to keep you awake go further out go to a larger regional town or buy something smaller provided it's what tenants want to uh, rent and want to live in but also my word of caution is you know it doesn't hurt to learn get some knowledge you know, get a mentor, get get a strategy in place and get the right team of people around you who are really going to support you and make 2018 your best year ever. Helen, thank you very much. Thank you, David. And have a good 2018. You too. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Real Estate Unplugged with Helen Collier-Cogtes. For more information, go to realwealthaustralia.com.au.